0: Eyes Shed Studios presents The Book of Dovus, Winds of the West Hones. Hello there! That book you got on your back Wouldn't happen to be the new heir, would you?
1: That I would, friend. The name's Arcus. Newest heir to the Book
0: of Dovis. Been a while since we've seen Galen in these parks. I figured he'd come to that. Sad to see him go. But he was getting slower last time I saw him. Only right that he finally got some rest.
1: Agreed. He was a great man. Taught me everything I know.
0: Good to hear! Why don't you take a rest? The border to Vanderholt's not far from here. And it's not often you get a chance for a private audience with the air. Tell us a story, friend.
1: All right, then. Let's see what I got. Hmm. We are in the Weststones. How about a bit of history? Centuries ago, when two factions from Iromar, the Vanti and the Ivani, left the northern continent to seek riches and glory, they sailed south and landed on the northern side of an unknown continent, soon to be called Ivana. The Vanti settled the western regions, while the Ivani settled the eastern. These two factions set to work. Forcing out the indigenous people as they spread further and further south. Due to their mutual hunger of this new world, they avoided each other, opting for easier prey and splitting the continent down the middle. But it was not long before the Ivani hit the wastes of Dramul. When the Ivani scouts reported back. About the useless desertous land the faction was furious the ivani conquest could not be over and they simply would not be satisfied with what land they had claimed thus far so the eyes of the ivani turned westward greedily taking in the lush vibrant land the vanti had claimed it was not long before they struck Desperate for a bigger piece of this fresh, new world. And the war began. By this time, the Vanti had claimed half of the western side of the continent and showed no signs of slowing down. Even during the decades of long, brutal conflict between the Vanti and the Ivani, the Vanti continued to expand. But in the end, the Vanti had stretched themselves far too thin. They were forced to return their soldiers from the southern settlements, which had long since stretched to the southern coast of Halgris. With renewed forces, the Vanti repelled the Ivani troops and pushed them back into their own territory for good the Vanti and the Ivani met to discuss terms, and it was agreed that war would result in nothing but more death. So, as a peace offering to the prideful people of Ivani, the Vanti allowed the Ivani their territory, which they called Evanstar, as well as the naming rights to the continent, now Ivana the Vonti established their own permanent territory as the entire northeast of the continent and named it Vanderholt. Peace was born, but it came at a cost. Fearing that war might reignite at any moment, the Vonti knew they could no longer control their southern settlements by returning their troops there. So... Slowly, the indigenous peoples of the continent took back the southern lands, leaving only the northeastern regions of the continent under Vanti control. Within this region lay a peaceful people, those in the far west of what was now the Vanderholt kingdom, established themselves early on, right after the arrival to the continent, and saw little to none of the conflict waging over the last few decades. Instead, they grew to love the wide fields, dense forests and crashing waves that they made their home and the creatures within them. This land was known as the Westones. In the Westones, there's a saying that goes, wherever the wind takes you, you must follow. These days it is well known and the people swear by it, but during that time of conflict and the collapse of the Vanti Empire, none had ever lived it more truly than the young heir to the Westones, Christine Fjorta. The Fjorta House stood as the reigning family of the region, and their castle, the capital. They were kind people, loving to their subjects and adoring of their lands, and the love they gave was received in kind, though to none other so fiercely as the Fjorta's only child, Christine. Little Christine Fjorta was beloved and doted upon by all who knew her, And all knew her. She had a smile that sent winds of joy winding through the countryside, and a laugh that melted the soft winter's snow. But it was not only the people of the Westones who cherished her. Christine spent her days wandering the lands of the Westones. In the mornings, she would walk the glimmering beaches or cut trails through the seas of rolling grass fields. Then she would climb the grandest boulders, and slip through the endless forests, as if a wind through the trees. And everywhere she went, the creatures of the Westones joined her. They gave chase when Christine would run in glee, and gave shelter when she no longer could. And then she would lie on her back, and rest with her friends all around her, breathing in the sweet, gentle sigh of the world. But without fail, each day she would visit the ones in the woods who loved her most. A sweet, calming wind would rouse her from her spot on the forest floor and guide her to where the wind calls home. A great, sprawling clearing hidden in the dense forests north of the Fjorta castle held a massive natural stone monolith hundreds of feet high. Centuries ago, it was hollowed out by the living spirits of the wind, the Ripple Dragons, and to this day it remains their home. All creatures of the Weststones are loved and revered but none more than these majestic beasts. They are known as the haste on the wind and the breath of the world. Long ago, the ancestors of these mighty lizards developed an exoskin, a strange elastic membrane surrounding their bodies, which they naturally exhaled into expanding like a bubble. In many cases, these creatures would simply release the gas through slits on their sides as they continued to breathe. But when it came time to hunt, they would allow their exoskin to fill until the gas built there lifted them off the ground and carried them to the tops of the mighty oaks above. It was there, above the world, that they claimed... Their dominion. The winged creatures of the land feared little, but none were prepared when one of these ancient reptiles dove from above and shattered them on the ground below. Over thousands of years, these cunning creatures honed their craft, developing dozens of slits along their exoskin and at the very ends of their tail, as well as threaded muscle throughout which allowed them to open and close each slit at will. With unbelievable breath control, they learned to intake air and exhale in bursts, creating rippling pockets of gas that would run down along their bodies under their exoskin. And just like that, the ripple Dragons were born. With a charging leap... And a massive breath, the Ripple Dragons launched themselves into the skies, releasing the first pocket of gas out of the slits at the end of their tail and legs, jetting them up into the air. Once there, these extraordinary beasts kept their mars wide open, maintaining a steady flow of air and exhaling in constant controlled bursts as ripple after ripple of gas flowed down their bodies, and they were expelled in just the right places to maintain their flight. The Ripple Dragons had finally claimed the skies for their own, a legacy that to this day has been held with honour and grace. Christine Fjorta looked up in awe at the breathtaking Natural Stone Monolith, and the Ripple Dragons' that darted and danced around it. No matter how many visits, no matter how many days spent among them, the wonder in her eyes never ceased as she beheld their beauty. And the ripple Dragons loved her for it. They treated young Christine Fjorta as one of their own and happily took her to the skies with them. For the wind never bores of the world, It simply dances through it, with wonder in its eyes. But one day, a dark shadow crept up from the southern seas below the Westones. Being cast out by the indigenous people after the collapse of the Vanti Empire, Vanti citizens of the southern settlements turned invader and pushed northward, demanding land from their cousins of the north. On news of their arrival on the southern Westonian shores, the House of Fiorta sent word, offering what they could to their long-lost relatives. But to the invading people, it was never enough. Under a hollow moon, in the pitch black of night the vaunty invaders struck against the Fjorta's humble keep. In moments, it was overrun as foul, ruthless beasts of men were sent to drag the royal family of Fjorta from their beds. The cries could be heard ringing through the land, carried by the wind to the ones who loved it most. Christine Fjorta woke with a start in her spiral tower, at the sounds of panic and horror from below, and the crashing of men through the great doors of her tower entrance. They were coming, rampaging up the stairs as if ravenous to the point of madness. Dread filled young Christine Fjorta as she rose from her bed and stood frozen in the centre of her chambers. With a crack and a snarl, the door to her room split and splintered into pieces as great, hulking men with dark, hungry eyes forced their way in. Little Christine Fjorta stared up at the monstrous men in panic, trembling in bone-shattering terror, until she felt it. A light, calming breeze flowed in from the open window behind her, wrapping itself around her as if a reminder of the land she loved and the love she received in kind. Christine Fjorta straightened her back as her hands stilled. She tilted her head up with renewed vigour to stare unflinching into the black pits of those horrid eyes. In the West Downs, there's a saying that goes... Wherever the wind takes you, you must follow. And with that, the young girl turned and threw herself from the window of her tower. Her ears screamed as the winds of the world shot past her, the ground below rising up rapidly to meet her. She was falling, endlessly, yet the land drew nearer with relentless intent. But long ago, she learned that it was not the surface of Dovis that she was meant for, but the skies above it. And in a blink of an eye, they appeared. Ripple dragons, hundreds of them, joining alongside her in a breakneck dive as one of them slowly slid beneath her. She gripped her friend's hide and screamed in delight as they pulled out of their graceful descent and spiraled around the keep. Below, all stopped to gaze in wonder. Even the Vaunte invaders halted as they took in the unbelievable spectacle before them. And it was in that moment of awe that the Westones struck back. The Ripple Dragons descended upon the invading forces and cut through their assault like a summer's storm through the trees. Within minutes, it was over. And then the invading Vonti people were driven back to their boats, given a forceful, unforgettable reminder of what should await them if they return. As the Ripple Dragons turned as one and commanded the wind itself to fill the ship's sails and blast the invaders far out to sea. Once they returned to the castle of Fjorta, all the people of the Westones knelt to the royal family before them and the mighty Ripple Dragons that protected them. But Christine Fjorta's father stood and ask the people of the Westones to follow suit. My friends, we are no Vanderholt. We are no kingdom. We need no walls to hide from the wind, for the wind is what protects us. Be your own people, as we will, but do not forget what unites us all. We will always come to your aid. And turning to the gathered ripple dragons, and yours, brothers and sisters. With that, the true Westones were born. A collection of peoples living separately in their own ways, yet united by the wind, the land, and the creatures within it. They stand proud to this day as a tapestry. Of equals, a family without borders, following one simple rule wherever the wind takes you, you must follow.
0: It's just as I remembered. You do, oh. gallant proud lad. Well, we best be off. Wherever the wind takes you, my friend.
1: Wherever the wind takes you.
0: This has been the Book of Dovus Winds of the Westones. A Fenrir tale. Written by Ryan Tippins. If you've enjoyed the journey so far, like, comment, subscribe, or its equivalents on your chosen platform to keep up to date with Fenrir and Rowan's journey through the Avarian jungle, as well as the history and side stories that stretch beyond it. If you'd like to contribute and help fund Fenrir, please visit the Eyeshut Studios Patreon and get rewarded with additional lore and content, including side stories available nowhere else. This episode featured Luca Antelixaban as Arcus, and Ryan Tippins as Joan and Gret. Special thanks to our lore master and head of world design Jeremy Tommins. Thanks for listening.